In this sermon series, we're going to look at God's plan for managing our money, God's plan for prioritizing our money, and not just our money, but anything of value. Um, We are to give God his portion, whether it be time, talent, or treasure. Money and possessions are a good barometer of where you are with God, how you treat your money, how you look at your money, how you manage your money, how you spend your money is a true barometer, a very good one that shows where you are with God because the way you handle your possessions uh, indicates stewardship. It indicates stewardship in our life. We're always doing stuff with money. I mean, probably more than any other thing in our life. I mean, we're handling money all the time, whether you have a little bit or whether you have a lot. Um, Your life just seems to be consumed with money. We're always putting change in machines and writing checks and swiping cards and making donations and and spending money for stuff we don't need and we thought we had to have it and all of that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about that today. It's a constant presence in our life and uh, God wants to say some things to us. So let's look at the four things we're going to talk about in this series. Every Christian, the average Christian, is just faced with many decisions regarding money. So today we're going to talk about the first three. How am I supposed to feel about money? Because see, how you feel about money, how you view it, how you you just kind of think about it determines what you'll do with it. So we're going to talk about how we feel about money. Number two, how we earn or get money. God has told us there are ways we can earn it and get it. He's also told us ways not to try to get money. We'll look at that too. And then how am I supposed to manage it? How am I supposed to use the money God has put into my life? And then we'll talk later in the week about how to give your money. Now remember that on October 3rd, we're going to receive an offering right here called Offering Fit for a King. And we're challenging our church family, whether you are a member or just an attender, if you're a Christian, God said in Malachi 3, test me. Really, it's the only place he ever said, try me, test me. He said, give your tithe and watch what I do. Give your tithe, be obedient with your tithe and watch what I do in your life. Now listen, God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. God is not gonna trick you into giving him 10% and then back off and let you not see the result, the repercussion, the ramification of that in your life. God keeps his promises. So pray about October 3rd. Pray with your wife. Pray with your husband. Pray with your children and say, God, speak to me about October 3rd. Now, some of you tithe, and God bless you for that, and we're going to ask you, this is what Millie and I are going to do, We're going to give a special offering on that day. We're going to give a special offering above our tithe. And let's show the world and let's show the enemy that in the bad economic times that we live in, we are still a church that is faithful to God with our finances. Amen, amen. So be praying about that, okay? So let's talk about how we're supposed to feel about our money. How are we supposed to feel about it? Well, first of all, we're not supposed to love it. We're not supposed to love money. Uh, I heard about one preacher that was on TV, and he said the lack of money is the root of all evil. Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, for the love of money. 
See, money's not the problem. It's our emotional attachment. It's how we feel about money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. How many of you know, and don't raise your hand, but how many of you know people who used to be in church and serving God and, and using their gifts and using their talents for God, and all of a sudden their business really boomed and, and they did very well and they started making a lot of money and it, and it drew them away. I can tell you people right now. As a matter of fact, there's somebody who I love and care about very much that I'm seeing that happen in their life and I'm very, very concerned about it. And so that's the warning from the scripture. Look what it says. If you love money, if you have the wrong attachment to it, it will cause you to stray from the faith because of their what? Greediness. See that up there? Stray from the faith in their greediness. Now look what it says at the end of that verse. It says that when you get greedy, you know, I've seen people, God's up here and money's here or, or material things, and then they, they start getting blessed materially. They start getting blessed financially. And over a period of time, those places switch priorities. And materialism and, and mammon, the Bible calls it, money becomes more important to God. And when that happens, look what, ha look what happens. Look at the end of that verse. This isn't Pastor Farrell talking. This is the Bible. It will pierce you through with many what? Sorrow. See, any time we let anything become more important to us in God than God, sorrows. Now notice, God doesn't pierce you through with sorrows. You pierce yourself. Notice that. It says, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we're not to love money. Number two, we're talking about how we feel about it. We're talking about how we feel. Number two, you're not supposed to trust it. Don't trust money. Look what the Bible says, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or prideful or arrogant nor to trust in what kind of riches? Uncertain. How many of y'all know riches are uncertain? I mean, some of y'all, your 401k is now 101k, isn't it? <laughs> you, you, you know riches are uncertain. And then he says, so don't, don't put it in that. Put your faith, put your trust, put your confidence in the living God. This is the Bible we're reading from, who gives us just enough to get by. No, what does it say? He gives us what? Richly, how many things? To do what with? Oh, man, I know some churches missed out on that last part of that verse. Because, man, they preach this poverty mentality, which is just as wrong as this um, health, wealth, and prosperity mentality. There's that balance. There's the beauty of the balance there. And we're not to put our confidence in money because when we do, when we trust money, then that means it has become an idol to us. As a matter of fact, guys, we're not even to find our security in money. And when I was uh, studying this, I thought, you know, I don't think I've got that one down pat yet because I have to tell you, I have to admit to you, when the money is good, I sleep better. Y'all look so holy. <laughs> and when the money's bad, I, I toss and tumble. You know why? 
because I'm not fully trusting God and I got the idea that my security is in how much I have in the bank. So I'm working on that in my life. I think it's human nature. But also remember that that human nature is a sin nature and it doesn't want you to trust God doesn't want you to trust God. And so we're depraved, and so we have to war against that. Look what, the, um, look what, the, um, what Jesus said in uh, Matthew 6 and 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and that word mammon means materialism or money or, or worldly possessions. You can't serve God in that. Now notice, Jesus didn't say, don't do it. He said, you can't. He said, it's impossible. So the point of that is that if you have made, you, either, either money is here and God is here, or God is here and money is here. It can't, they're, they're never equal. He said you can't serve both of them equally. One is always going to be above the other. So where is God and, and where is your material life and, and, and where are they in that, in that priority list? As a matter of fact, the Bible, even when it's talking about leadership in the church, He's talking about qualifications of leadership in the church. He says, you cannot be a person who is greedy for money and be a leader in the church. You can't do it. Because see, if you're greedy for money, then where is God in your life? He's down here and you've got money up there and you don't have any business in leadership if your idol is money and greediness and things of the world. Now, this is really for the early service, but y'all let me say it here at this service too, won't you? Can I preach that here too? So we're not to love it. We're not to trust it. Number three, we're talking about how we feel, how we ought to feel about money. We really ought not to seek money. You say, now hold now, I got to work and I got to try to get some money and pay my bills. That's not what this is talking about. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 6 and 9. But those who desire to be rich, those who desire to be rich. Now look, don't misunderstand me. I think you ought to work hard. I think you ought to have ambition. I don't think ambition's a sin. I think you ought to do the best you can do at everything you do. And if that results in financial blessing for you, you know what I say to that? Hallelujah, pay your tithe. <laughs> I am not against rich people attending Whitley Church. I want to make that clear right now. Bring it. <laughs> Amen? So I'm not against wealth. I'm not against riches, but the Bible's very clear about those of you who have really, really been blessed financially. You have to be really careful because our nature is to make God um, um, or make money or mammon our God. Let's go back to that 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich, they have to be careful because if they are not careful, they will fall into temptation. Now, I didn't say that. Who said that? God said that. And they will fall into a snare. See, the enemy, all he does is play off your lustful desires. The enemy can't make you lust. He can't make you. He can tempt you with things. But see, you choose whether you go that way or not. So he lays traps, snares for us. And if we're all about the money, we're going to fall in those traps. We're going to fall. We're going to get caught in those snares. Let's back up and read it again. But those who desire to be rich, if they're not really careful, they're going to fall into temptation and a snare. 
Matter of fact, he doesn't say if they're not careful. He says if your main thing in life is to get money, you're going to be tempted. You're going to fall in a snare. He said not just that, but you're going to fall into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men. Look at that language. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. And that word means ruin. We're to seek to do what then, pastor? We're to seek, listen, to honor God. Honor God. Then if he desires to make you rich, that's his business. What you do is you do the best you can. Work as hard as you can. Do the very best you can. But do it for the glory of God. And if in the midst of that, God responds by making you wealthy, that's totally, again, up to him. So we're not to love it. We're not to trust it. Um, We're not to seek it. Here's another thing we're not to do. We're not to consider it all ours. The money in your pocket, the money in your purse, the money in your wallet, the money in your bank account, the money in that little thing on your dresser where you put your change, every penny, every penny is his. It's his. Now I'm telling you, and I know this is strong, but if you don't view every penny you have as God's, then friend, you got a spiritual problem. Every penny you have belongs to him. The money in our possession is God's. Here's the deal. God's just given you some money that belongs to him while you're here on the earth, and then he watches to see what you're going to do with it. He gives you some money. How much money did you have when you got here? None. How much money are you going to have when you leave? None. So it's given to you while you're on this earth to manage, and then God watches how you manage it. Everybody say this with me. All my possessions, all my money belongs to God. Amen, amen. We're just managers. So that's how we're to feel about money, okay? Let's look at the second thing. How are we to earn it? How are we to earn money, or how are we to get money? Let's look at that. Number one, I just thought I'd mention this to y'all. You are not to steal it. Don't steal it. I just want to tell you all that, please. Say, oh, come on, pastor, preach on something else. I'd never steal. There are a lot of ways to steal. There are a lot of ways to steal. Look what the Bible says. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows and does not repay. Who? Who does that? I didn't call you wicked. God did. God said it is wicked to borrow and not repay. It's wicked. But the righteous, the man who's right with God, has a heart of what? Mercy. And out of that heart of mercy, he what? Gives, gives. Amos 8 and 5, and we're not going to read that, but write it down in your notes. Amos 8 and 5 and Hebrews 12 and 7, the prophets there, Amos and, uh, Amos and Hosea, Uh, They talk about falsifying balance owed and then deceiving somebody out of money. And the Bible says don't do it. There are a lot of ways to steal. If you go to the bank and cash your check, and that poor little girl back there behind the counter is in a hurry, and she's under a lot of pressure, and she gives you $20 too much, and you get in the car, you run back to that bank and give that $20 back. That $20 will wreck your life if you hold on to it. You say, I'm going to hold on to it. They charge me fees. I don't think they ought to charge me. Well, they'll answer for that. (laughs) You just take that $20 back in there and the people said, 
Because listen to me, man, that $20 will not, that's not a blessing. It's a curse on you. You run back in that bank and go, please, somebody take this. So don't steal it. Number two, don't overcharge desperate people. Isn't it amazing when a hurricane or something like that comes through, all of a sudden these generators are twice the price they were before the hurricane? You know what the Bible says? That's wrong. The Bible says that's a sin. If your friend has a need, you are to give to him. You are to be generous as you can to meet his need. Don't loan him money and then charge him high interest rates to pay you back. You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that usury, usury. And usury is a sin. It's a sin. Don't you do that. Be honest, be fair, be reasonable with people. So how are we to earn money? Well, we're talking about how not to get it right now. Don't steal it and don't overcharge. Number three, you are not to defraud people. This is done when we don't pay people again what we owe them, especially in the area of people who have done work for us and we don't pay them for what they've done for us. James 5 and 4, all the workers you've exploited. You know, it's amazing. James is talking to Christians here. Look what he says to these Christians. All the workers you, what, exploited and cheated are crying out for judgment. The groans of the workers you used and abused are a roar in the ears of the master avenger. Sounds like a, a, a superhero, doesn't it? Sounds like if you don't pay the people who've worked for you, Master Avenger will come and beat you up. Well, Master Avenger there is in capital letters, Master Avenger. So you know who it's talking about? God. Now, God knows how to take care of business. So I'm telling you, James is talking to people here who defrauded others by not paying them what they deserved for their work. Let me say this to you. You owe somebody some money. Pay them. Pay them. You know what? You know what hurts a testimony of the church? When people stand in here during praise and worship, they just praise and worship. And they just, oh, I just love Jesus. I just love you. And then people know you come to the church. Maybe not Whitley, maybe it's faith, or maybe it's, you know, the Lord's table. And you go, people go to those churches and they. They just worship and they talk about how much they love God. But their financial life is in a mess and they won't pay their bills and it hurts the testimony of the church and it hurts the body of Christ. Pay your bills. You say, well, I'm in a mess right now. I'm in a mess and I'm behind and I can't pay some people. You know what you do with that? You get on the phone. You call them up and you say, listen, this is fair on... I know I borrowed that $500 for you back when I was in, from you back when I was in some financial trouble. And I knew, I know I told you I'd pay you back $50 a month. But man, I gotta tell you, here's what's going on in my life right now. And I cannot pay you the 50, but I can give you 10. And I just didn't want you to think I was trying to avoid you or not do what I'm supposed to do. You see, I can work with a man like that. Anybody out there listening to me? Sure is quiet in here. Is this a funeral? This is a church, isn't it? I'm down here where we live now. You know, if I was up here preaching on the uh, uh, strip joints and all that, y'all would be going, amen, that's good preaching right there now. Because <laughs> y'all are not going to those, are you? 
But when you talk about paying people you owe, it's like. <laughs> pay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm choked up. <laughs> pay the people you owe. Now I'm about to get in some, some of your business on this next one. Go to the next one. You're not to gamble your money away. Oh, I thought we were like a modern church. <laughs> I tell you what kind of church we are. If it's in the Bible, we're going to preach it. You know why you ought not to gamble? Because it isn't yours. Did we not establish that just earlier in this preaching right here? And it's so quiet, so quiet. Because <laughs> you know, Pastor, when we just out there on the golf course, man, we just having fun, you know, $10 a game, and, you know, and. I just buy that little lottery ticket. You know, man, ain't no big deal. I'm just saying. Hey, listen, you work that out with God? Because, see, you told me a while ago, I heard every one of you said, it's God's. Didn't you? You say, yeah, but I wish I hadn't said it. I know he's going to come to this right here. <laughs> so I look at God. Hey, God, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket with your money. You think Jesus is there going, all right, let's give it a whirl, baby. Now, if y'all do and you win, tithe that money right here <laughs> this church. Now, matter of fact, I think if you did, y'all to give it all because you shouldn't have done it to start with, so y'all to give the whole thing. See, when you understand that it is God's, it changes, doesn't it, how you look at it. It changes how you just kind of throw stuff out there. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4.14, the Greek word in that verse for dice play is used in connection with the ministry of Satan. You say, I don't, most, I don't know if I agree, but I just give call, Paul a call. Because I didn't say it. Paul said it. The Bible says it. So let's talk about how we can get money. And I know y'all going, yeah, let's talk about how we can get it. Let's get on that, okay? So number one, or actually it'd be number five if you're, if you're remember now we talked about how we're to feel about it. We're not to love it, trust it. You know, we went through those four things, not to overcharge for all that kind of stuff. So now we're talking about uh, how we can get it. You can get a, a money gift. Somebody can give you a gift. Now, when I get a money gift, I, I do a little dance. Y'all got a happy dance? Y'all do when you get something good happens in your life? See, it's all right to get financial gifts. Paul got financial gifts. It's a wonderful way to get money. You don't have to do anything, and we've all been the beneficiary of that. And when somebody gives you a love gift, it's because they love you and they appreciate you and, and they, and they uh, want to bless you, and that's a legitimate way to get money. Another way to get money is inheritance. Inheritance. I, you know, if I ever inherit anything, I do that same little happy dance. We all know what inheritance is. Another way to receive money that's okay with God is by investing. Investing your money. Now, we don't want to gamble it away, as I said, on wild, high-risk investments, but God desires that we make wise investments. You remember the story where the, the master's going to leave town and before he leaves, he gives one of his servants one talent, and he gives the other one two, and he gives the other one five. And, and he says, now I'm going to give you this, and I, I, I'm going to come back and see what you did with it. Do you know that's a picture 
of what we preached on in the last days when we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. See, Christ left the earth and left us the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit has put in us gifts, charisma gifts. And we're to use those gifts to, to serve and to be a blessing and to help others. And one day Jesus is going to come back and rapture us up to heaven. And the first thing he's going to do right after the rapture is he's going to say, okay, what did y'all do with the gifts I gave you? Well, here was a guy in this story in Matthew 25. He buried his, he said, I just got one. So in order not to lose it, I'm just going to bury it in the ground. But look what the master said when he came back. He said, if you had been smart, you would have put this money out so that when I came back, I would have received mine own with interest. So a legitimate way to get money is by earning interest, by making wise investments. And, and the next one is just a really novel idea. It's something I thought of, you know, that you could do to make some money. Go to the next one. We could work. I'm just saying, have y'all tried that? We could work to make some money. The Bible says, Exodus 29 through 10, six days shall you, it's hard to say, ain't it? I know, man. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, and on the seventh day you shall watch football. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get your work done and then rest. Now, I, I got some stuff I need to say right here, but it's for the early service people. I want y'all to know that. And it's for the third service people, but it wouldn't be fair if I just preached it to them. So I'm going to tell y'all too, okay? What I just put up there that you earn money by working, that's a real hard thing for some people because they're in constant financial need, constant all the time, because they're, they're lazy. Can I preach on laziness? Y'all remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? You remember that story in the Bible? You know how that started? Lazy. He had plenty of money. He was the man. Every battle they fought, they won it. So instead of going with his warriors to fight a battle, he just stayed home. And he walked out on his veranda, or at my house it would be a deck. <laughs> and he looked across and saw a lady taking a bath. And out of laziness was born lust. And out of lust, adultery. And out of adultery, murder. Don't tell me laziness is not a serious sin. Go to work. If you don't work, you don't go to Bojangles. <laughs> Everybody all right out there? Can I preach like this? I mean, I know everybody gets a little financial pinch, and you might need a little help from time to time, but I'm telling you, if you're always out of money and always lacking and always borrowing money from family and friends and hitting everybody up, dude, you need to learn to get a job and go to work. Manual labor is not a Mexican evangelist. I 
I tell you, when the front of your belly sticks to your backbone, you'll get a job. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if God's telling me to say what I'm about to say or the devil, so I'm just going to wait till I hear from him. But I'm just amazed at people who don't ever have anything and then the things they do have. The things they are able to spend money on. But then they always always in need and then I look at the things they possess and the things they own and the things they have. Matter of fact, we'll get into that in just a minute. But work is a wonderful divine principle. Most Christians I know get really excited about divine principles, but they get least excited about this one. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 19. Don't y'all think the early service needs what I'm saying here? Amen. Proverbs 28, 19, he who tills his land, he who, in other words, he who what? Works will have what? Plenty of bread. But he who follows frivolity, frivolous. You know that guy. Hey, man, where's the party? Where's the party, man? By the way, before I can go to the party, you got a 20? Can I hit you for a 20? Let me give give you a good sign that, that, that you're getting on people's nerves about borrowing money from them all the time. When you walk in a room and they fill that room with their absence, when you're coming down the hall at the church and you see somebody going, that could be a sign. He who tills the land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity, he who has a party spirit will have poverty plenty. That's what enough means. He'll have poverty plenty. Proverbs 14, 23, in all Labor, there is what? Profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. You work, you get paid. You talk, you don't get paid. There's a time to just hush your mouth and go to work. Now, if you're a preacher, that's hard, but still, we make our money with our mouth, all right? Number three, we've talked about how we're supposed to feel about money. We've talked about how we're supposed to not get it and get it. Now we're going to talk about how to manage it real quick, and I'm done. We're to use money to provide for the needs of our family and for the needs of others around us. Let me me just tell you what the Bible says about a person who won't provide for their family. Everybody all right out there? You get it straight up when you come to Whitley, don't you? Let me tell you something, man. Everything I preach comes right back on me. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith. Wow. And is worse than an unbeliever. You know why it's worse than an unbeliever? It goes back to something I said earlier. When the people in the community know that you claim to be a Christian and you attend Whitley Church or the bridge or the Lord's table or faith, and they know you claim Christianity, and they know you won't take care of your bills, and you won't take care of your family, and you won't provide for your family, I'm telling you right there, that it has a much more powerful impact negatively than if an unbeliever does the same thing. That's what he means by that. We're Christians. We're people of honor. 
And when we don't handle our money right, it hurts our testimony. 1 John 3, 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, he does, how does the love of God abide in him? So, <clears throat> so you see the balance because we talked about this person who's always wanting money and always borrowing money and always asking for money. We talked about how they need to get a work ethic. But what God's saying here in 1 John three seventeen is that there are some people out there who have a legitimate need and they need help. So we need to pray for discernment. We have to have discernment here at Willie Church. Man, listen, let me tell you all something. Some people got this thing of asking for money down to a science. We have had people call here with four or five different names. Different voices, same person. They work the system. They work the system. And, and so we need discernment, don't we? I know you guys, you, you, you're, you're one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of. You're the most, we're, we're going to take up an offering today as you're leaving for a little, uh, a little tiny little girl that has a brain tumor, the Williford family. And Layla has, has battled a brain tumor. Right now she's cancer free. Can we thank God for that? And, and you're, you're, you're going to leave today, and we're going to have people standing at the door, and, and we hope you can give. Like I told you last week, you can't give to everything. We don't even expect you to give to everything. But we're going to give you the opportunities from time to time. And so that's a legitimate need, and we want to bless legitimate needs. But we need discernment because there are so many people out there who have illegitimate. They're illegitimate in their needs. Amen, amen. Can I preach like this? Just did. Number two, we're talking about how to manage or use our money. You are to use your money to pay your debts. How? Immediately. The Bible says in Romans 13 and 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. 2 Kings 4 and 7 says, Then, now I'm, I'm about to get that early service again, so watch this. Then she said to the man of God, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. You know what he said right there? He said, honey, you need to liquidate some of your assets and pay the people you owe. When you get home, just look around at the stuff you don't need. You might need to sell some of that stuff and take the money and pay on your bills. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's what, the, that's what the Elijah here is saying uh, to, this, to this woman. He's saying, sell and pay your bills. I got stuff. Y'all got stuff that you look at it and go, I should have never bought that. I mean, you know, QVC. You go, that's a magic machine. I got to have the magic machine. Call them up. Here's my credit card number. You got the magic machine. It's sitting right there. You've never used it. You used it one time and found out it's not magic. It's magic on TV, but it's not magic when it gets to your house. Y'all with me? That's what eBay's for. Now, I'm preaching, I know I'm, I know I'm putting some humor in here because you got to put a little sugar with the medicine to make it go down. But I'm telling you, some of you need to sell some stuff and pay people you owe. 
Third thing, we use money to collect savings. Now, let's go to that one. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28, the Bible says there are four things that are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. And then it lists those four things. It says the ants are small, and they teach us a lesson. We'll talk about them. The badgers, don't y'all love that little badger that's selling cars on TV? Ain't that the funniest thing in the world? That's hilarious. Um, Badgers have no, no defense. Their defense is in the cleft of the rock. Their defense is in the rock. That's what the scripture says there in Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. That's like us. We have no natural defenses. Our defense is in the rock. Can y'all tell I've preached on this before? The locust, one little grasshopper can't do very much, but you put him with 10,000 of his brothers and sisters and he can wipe out a crop. The lesson from the locust is unity. Then we get to the spider, and the Bible says there in this passage that the spider gets even in the king's house. Now, what that means is, if anybody's going to have a custodian, if anybody's going to have a housekeeper, it's going to be a king. But what the Bible's saying is that even the spider gets in the king's house, which means that no matter how hard the king and all his staff try to keep the spiders out of the house, they still get in. That's a lesson on persistence. You ever tore down a spider web and come back, and the next day it's right back? Them boys don't give up. Let's go back to the ant. The Bible says that the ant are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. You know why they prepare their food in the summer? Because there's plenty of it. So what the ant does is, while all the other bugs are at the beach, (laughs) the ant is storing up because he knows winter's coming. Why is it? That's why I put the marshmallow test video. Why is it that we feel like when we get something extra, we got to spend it? I'm telling you right now, you better learn to, like the ant, put some stuff away. Save some stuff. Every time a little extra money comes in your life, you don't have to spend it. You don't have to spend it. All right, let's close. Now listen. Well, let's look at one more verse. Proverbs 21, 20. Proverbs 21, 20 says, Be sensible and store up precious treasures. Don't waste them like a... I didn't say that. God said that. Now listen, listen. I want you to be blessed. I am so sure... I am so sure that if you will tithe in this offering coming up in October... I'm so sure God's going to keep his word that if you give that offering on October 30th or, or October 2nd, 3rd, October 3rd, about April, that if it hurts you financially, if you will get with me privately, I'll give you your money back. I won't embarrass you. I'll just call our treasurer and say, look, They gave their tithe, and it has hurt them financially. God didn't keep his promise. Ricky, write a check for this person. We're going to give them their money back. I'm telling you right now, if you tithe on October 3rd and it hurts you, if you tithe on October 3rd and it don't, and God don't show up like he said he would, we will privately, without embarrassing you, give you every penny back. God don't lie. God don't lie. He said, test me. I mean, 
I don't see many places in the Bible where God said, bring it. So that day, on October 3rd, we're going to have a table up here with a vase on it, and you're going to bring your offering as a family, and we're going to put it in, and we're going to show God that he is our source. Not America, not economies of the world, not Wall Street. He takes care of us. And we're going to be faithful on that day. And God's going to bless this church. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for a church where I can stand and preach it straight up. And they go, bring it on, Pastor. It burns a little bit. It stings a little bit. It cuts me a little bit. But I know it's what I need, Pastor. So preach me the word. God, I thank you that I pastor a church like that. Thank you so much. May this word that has been instilled in us today, may it not leave us. May it deal with us throughout the day, the week, the month. And God, on that special day, when we bring you an offering fit for a king, that you will look down and say, well done. Well done, Willie Church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I love you guys. God bless you. Hey, listen, first-timers, pick up your gift before you leave. God bless. Thanks.